welcome to the Plastic Surgery Podcast, part of the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Stephen Martinez, Managing Editor of Plastic Surgery Practice, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Carrie Stevens. She's the Chief Editor of our sister publication, 24-7 Magazine, uh, and the Co-Chief Editor of PSP. Uh, last year, I wrote an article for PSP about negative experience she had with a plastic surgeon who performed her breast reconstruction surgery in late 2020. I'm talking to her today about her story. And we would like to examine what it's like from the patient's point of view when a plastic surgery is less than elective and hopefully show what it's like when there's a disconnect between a patient and a plastic surgeon. Uh, Carrie, thank you for joining me today uh, yeah, and you. telling your story. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to share it. Okay. Uh, so first off, uh, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking about the diagnosis that led to your decision to get a double mastectomy and breast reconstruction. In July of 2020, I tested positive for a mutation called CHECK2, and um, it's tied very strongly to breast cancer. And I actually have a strong family history of breast cancer, which is why I was tested for the gene. And as soon as my doctor read my diagnosis, um, and I was 37 at the time, said, yeah, she's going to have a double mastectomy. It wasn't really even a question. It was kind of like, this is what you need. And um, obviously it was really hard pill to swallow. I wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar before that. I didn't even really worry about my family history because my aunt who had had breast cancer in her forties, um, tested negative for BRCA. And that's the main gene that people associate with breast cancer. So to me, I was like, Oh no, my, you know, we're good. We don't have that in my family, but luckily my OB persisted and had me tested. So, and, um, with the gene, I had a really bad variant of it, which means my chances were much higher than a typical person with a check mm -hmm. two mutation. So it was kind of not really if, but when I would have breast cancer. And they also knew that it would, be, that it would tend to be metastatic, so pretty aggressive with this genetic mutation. So for me, it was kind of like, yes, get them off. Um, I was done having my children. I would breastfed both of them. And it was kind of like, okay, let's, let's just do this, even though mm -hmm. it was something I definitely did not want. So. Well, how did it feel to hear that news? I mean, that's, that's kind of, like you said, oh it was kind of out of nowhere. It was awful, honestly. I mean, it was one of those things where like bringing myself back to that position, it feels honestly surreal. It, it kind of feels like there was before that news and after that news. And like, you know, it's, it's not even been two years since I found out, but it almost feels like I can separate my life in those ways. Um, it changed everything. I think too, because I have two young children and I have a daughter who's about to turn eight. And my first thought was, what if she has this genetic mutation? I mean, what if she has this? I mean, there's, there's a good chance, you know, and I think that was just so terrifying and just so it, it was just crazy. But honestly, I did feel very empowered by my decision and I knew that that was the right move. And, you know, there was never really a question of if I was going to do this, but it was just, wow, like that, this sucks, honestly. Yeah. How are you referred to the plastic surgeon who uh, was going to perform your breast reconstruction? So my breast surgeon, uh, my OB was actually, she, tend, she was friends with the breast surgeon that performed the mastectomy and she immediately referred me to her. And then when I went to visit her, she immediately put me in touch with her plastic surgeon. She, 
the thing that I didn't realize before I started this journey was that a lot of plastic surgeons don't do breast reconstruction because that's a insurance-based procedure um, and they don't want to touch the insurance company. So um, she said, you know, this is the doctor that I use. He's great aesthetically. And he was, he was great aesthetically, but um, it wasn't like she gave me a list of plastic surgeons. It was, okay, mm. this is what I work with. Um, and what I also didn't realize was as soon as my mastectomy was performed, I was actually just the plastic surgery patient. They didn't even care about the breast surgeon at all, but they performed the procedure together. Mm -hmm. How long uh, did the surgery take place or how long did it take? I think it took a few hours. I'm not entirely sure. Um, it was crazy though, because it happened, you know, in the height of COVID. So I had to leave the hospital a few hours later. And I remember that was crazy. I was not prepared for that um, at all. But yeah, mm -hmm. it was a few hours and they did a nerve blocker for my pain. So mm -hmm. they, you know, felt, I guess, fine with sending me home. But I didn't really want to go home. I wanted to stay in the hospital <laughs> because, you know, I had little drains coming out of me. It was it was a wild process. And yeah, uh, yeah but it was pretty quick. But and they inserted expanders in me. So um, I know that a lot of people do direct to implants, but I was not a candidate for that. They said, mm -hmm. so they basically had to stretch my skin out, um, and do expanders to make, make room for the breast implants that they would do, um, a couple months later. So, right. So before the surgery, um, uh, this is sort of when your tail starts to, to go a little bit south, yeah. but, um, how did your first meeting with your plastic surgeon go? Oh, it was a mess. I mean, I think, and it, I probably am to blame for that a bit. I was in such a bad headspace from all of this. Again, I mean, it wasn't elective. I, I mean, it wasn't like something like, oh, you know, I'm going to go get new breasts. It was just not like that. And I mean, yes, they probably sagged a lot more than before I had kids. But again, it wasn't something I was thinking about. So when I went in, he was just focusing on the aesthetics, which I do understand from his perspective was the purpose of this, you know, because I did get reconstruction and I know going flat is an option for women. Um, actually no one even talked about that with me and, but that's beside the point. Um, but it was, it was bad. He basically said, so what do you want from this? And I said, I just, I don't care. I just want to be alive. And he's like, no, you do care or you wouldn't be here. Then, then why are you getting reconstruction? And it was kind of, I felt like it was a bit insensitive to what I was going through. And I, um, as a plastic surgeon who takes insurance, I know that he was used to working with breast reconstruction patients, but I do think it's just such a different process and it's just such a different perspective that I came into the process with that I wish he had kind of been more empathetic of empathetic of that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that sense of empathy with him. Well, when he, when he sort of challenged you on that point, when he said that, you know, you do care, like, how did that make you feel in the moment? You know, you're talking about how you were in this different headspace because you just yeah. received that news and you were about to go through something right. that you, you know, there was a lot of unknowns about. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was a mess. I left the appointment just hysterically crying to my husband, my mom, my friends. Like, I, I hate this guy. He's the worst. And I mean, he wasn't. It's just... Mm -hmm. I think I was in such a bad space mentally and emotionally, and I was unprepared for all of it that 
his lack of empathy just really rubbed me the wrong way. And I actually wanted to find a new surgeon. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like it's so most, so many of them don't take insurance and my plasma, my breast surgeon, you know, recommended him. And I remember going to her to an appointment with her afterwards. And she asked what I thought about the doctor. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he was terrible. She's like, really? Wow. Okay. Why? And I think she was even taken aback because I mean, from an aesthetic point, he did a great job. He, you know, is very skilled surgeon. So I would never say anything about that, mm-hmm. but um, she's like, well, you know, you could try to look for someone else, but at this point, you know, my surgery was already scheduled and I truly just wanted them, my breasts off me because mm-hmm. at that point I wasn't even sure I didn't have cancer. Um, cause this was all decided before I did a mess or a, a mammogram. And actually my first mammogram came back fault like bad. It was suspicious. And I had to get more testing to make sure that I didn't have breast cancer um, because that could have affected, you know, lymph. basically they said, you know, you won't be treated much differently than if you had breast cancer, but if you do, you'll have to get lymph nodes taken out and stuff like that. And I mean, possibly chemo. And it was just, I was just so overwhelmed by the whole process that the thought of trying to find another plastic surgeon was just not even, I was like, I'm just going to go with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew he was very good at what he did and I was just going to take my ego out of it, but it was not the best experience. Well, you know, why do you think he was confrontational? Like if, I mean, obviously you can't get into his head, but you know, do you think there was like some sort of strategy like that he was trying to employ by, by being firm with you? I think he wanted me to realize that I did care about the aesthetics and maybe at that point that wasn't top of mind for me, but later I would care. And I mean, he's right. I do care now, right. When I'm, it's all behind me. But at the time, I mean, it was just so overwhelming that it's like, that was the last thing I was thinking of. I was just afraid I had cancer. I was afraid I was going to die. I was afraid, you know, the reconstruction part was so, it just wasn't what I was thinking about at the time. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about this idea? It, it came, you mentioned it um, when we did our interview for the article uh, that yeah. that uh, breast reconstruction patients often uh, encounter this idea that it's a free boob job, and, and, and maybe yeah. wonder why that's kind of an offensive concept. <laughs> well, I think breast reconstruction. I mean, to be frank, the, the the afters are not prettier than the befores. I will be honest. I mean, and I, I mean, I have scars everywhere, and it's fine to me. My scars show what I've been through, and they talk about you know being alive for my children, for myself. But again, it's not a free boob job. I mean, I have no feeling in my chest, which you know people don't really think about that. Why that would be a a problem, but it is. I mean, I was at the beach last week, and I get sun on my chest. I don't feel it, you know. Mm-hmm something burned me, I wouldn't feel it. It's like that can, from a, you know, safety standpoint, can be pretty dangerous. So when I think of a boob job and I mean, that's, you know, looking better than, than the before then, but for me, you know, the after is not so pretty, but it's, you know, my story. So I just, I don't think it, I think to a breast reconstruction patient saying it's a boob job is just extremely offensive. And you know, we've all heard it and I'm part of 
groups online um, for mastectomy patients. And we've all talked about this and it's just, it's like, how do you really annoy someone say that? Because it's just, I mean, and the pain of a mastectomy, like people can't understand until they've been through it. It's, it's severe pain. I mean, it's an amputation and um, just reminding, remembering that. And, you know, I think for plastic surgeons, what I would love to tell them is that you just need to approach it differently and from a more empathetic standpoint, because chances are, I mean, these women don't want to be getting this process done. It's not something they wanted ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, and for me, luckily my mastectomy was prophylactic, but for a breast cancer patient who knows too, that they have chemo radiation ahead of them, you know, it could spread. It's just a completely different process and a completely different mindset that these women are going into the process with. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about a uh, sort of another, I guess, confrontation you had with him um, when when you were deciding about um, the uh, size of your uh, implants uh, before yeah. the surgery. Uh, yeah, he definitely encouraged me to go bigger. And I said, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want them bigger. I, you know, <laughs> I had two kids and they changed shape after that. And I just, I didn't want big boobs. I didn't, I just wanted something that I felt natural in my clothes. And the last thing I wanted was to look weird. So I just wanted to be myself. I wanted to feel, you know, just normal in my clothes because yeah, that's how I felt. But it was interesting. I did feel a push to him I think he was surprised because with the expanders that what was interesting is each week they would expand my skin. And, um, I looked, you could kind of try on boobs and as weird as it sounds, it's almost like mm -hmm. a push up ball. And, um, each week I would go in or every two weeks to get expanded. And I think he thought I would go bigger than I did. Um, I just didn't want to go bigger. I felt like this is where I'm happy with these look natural and, but he did say most women wish they had gone bigger. I am so glad I didn't go bigger. So mm -hmm. I stand behind the size I went and. You were happy I, with your decision. Yeah. I do know a lot of women though. So one woman I met in my mastectomy group, um, she and I actually kind of became friends from this situation. She had my mutation as well. Um, she went from a double A to a double D. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was I'm like, okay, wow. Like, and I think she likes them, but again, I mean, that, that's not what I wanted. I did not want to look like Dolly Parton, as I said, yeah. no, the whole process was so awkward anyway, because I mean, everyone knew I was undergoing it. And it's like, everyone that knows me and knows my story knows that my breasts are fake. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to draw even more attention to that. Yeah. That makes sense. It's not, yeah. uh, no. not a secret. Yeah. No. And I mean, it's a personal thing. It's, it's, it's very, I mean, I've been really open with my story because I've wanted to use it to help others and to encourage women, especially, and men to get genetic testing and to really be looking into their family history. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still, it's my body and it's a personal part of my body. So it's something that I want to draw the least amount of attention to as possible. Mm -hmm. So your surgery, it, it was successful, you know, even yeah. Even though you maybe wanted to stay at the hospital a little bit longer <laughs> and they were pushing you out the door. But uh, yeah. post-surgery, you mentioned that you had an issue with pain and that it was not subsiding. 
Uh, can you tell no. me about how you sought care for that? Yeah. So I, I consider myself to have a strong pain tolerance. I mean, I ran track in college. I was, I'm athletic. Like I feel like I can be in pain at times, but this pain I was in after that, like it started a few months or sorry, a few weeks after my surgery. And I was driving actually, I was finally able to drive. And I just felt this horrible shooting pain. And it was like, unlike anything I've ever felt in my life, it felt like well, because I mean, with the mastectomy, they're cutting through nerves and all of that. And um, it was just, it was almost like zapping, like my nerves, I guess, were regenerating and all that. And um, I, it was just like truly pain I can never explain. And um, I told my doctor, the plastic surgeon, and set, made a comment that I was, you know, in really, really bad pain. And he said, well, yeah, you just had a mastectomy. It's going to be painful. And I felt like that was a bit dismissive. Um, so I did what any 21st century woman would do. I went on Facebook and yeah. asked my group, like, are y'all experiencing this? Is this normal? And um, they responded, are you on gabapentin? gabapentin? And I said, no, I don't even know what that is. Um, they're like, you need this. So the next time I got my expanders expanded, I went in and brought my husband's um, and just made a comment about how much pain I was in with my expand with my expanders, all that. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, oh, you have a pentin. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I did apparently. And I mean, it was just so frustrating because I was in so much pain for weeks. I didn't need to be in that kind of pain. I remember trying to walk around my neighborhood for Halloween with my kids. And I was literally, I made it a few feet and was doubled over in pain before this. And it was just truly to this day, I will say there was no other pain like it I've ever experienced. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just so frustrating because it didn't have to be like that. If I had just been on the medicine I needed at the time, yeah. I don't think it would have been like that. So at any time I talk to someone getting a double mastectomy, I encourage them to get on gabapentin ASAP. So what, well- so, I mean, after he was sort of initially dismissive, telling you, uh, you know, of course you're in pain, you know, you just had major surgery. Um, you know, you said you brought your husband. I mean, was that was that partly strategy on your part? You thought maybe if you brought in a second opinion, he might uh, react differently? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I think this goes back to something I'm really passionate about. I think a lot of times women's pain is dismissed. Um, you know, it's something we've heard a lot, but it really is true. And I think women, especially, I mean, everyone needs to be their own advocate, but especially women, because our pain is dismissed so often, we have to be extra advocating for ourselves. And, you know, I wish I did at the time, though, I didn't know about gabapentin before when I was telling him how much pain I was in. So, but yeah, I did. I did kind of do that as a strategy. I was going to say, I'm going to see what happens when my husband comes. So, yeah, Yeah. it was interesting. So, you know, throughout this uh you've been mentioning how you, you sort of found a community online uh, through Facebook. Um, how do you feel about that idea that, that you had to go out and seek your own support rather than it being, you know, a part of the treatment process? I think it's terrible. I mean, I think there should be much more support, especially, I mean, I wish moving forward, doctors, plastic, plastic surgeons, of course, as doctors, um, could basically 
find help women and men going through anything like that support groups, because I know with my dad, he has prostate cancer. And when he was diagnosed, he got a cancer mentor, basically through the Cancer Centers of America, they found someone for him that was going through the same stage, same age that could kind of talk him through his cancer journey. And I know that was helpful for him. And I think if they could do that with mastectomy patients and probably, and probably, you know, put it with prophylactic mastectomy versus people with cancer already, because that's a very different journey. And I think that, again, I never want to try to put myself in this position of actually having cancer because I didn't. Um, But I think finding people that can kind of mentor them through the process would be so beneficial because it's just so unknown. And again, I mean, I know a lot of people because, you know, with genetic mutations, maybe they had a sister that had gone through this that had also had a prophylactic mastectomy or something or had cancer and then had the mastectomy. But I don't have any sisters. And um, my mutation actually comes from my dad's side of the family. So my his, his sister, my aunt had one, but mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, a lot of in my mutation in men is prostate cancer, which my dad has. Mm-hmm. And so it's because I didn't have anyone to walk me through this journey. It felt really kind of, I felt alone in a lot of ways. And thankfully I was able to find a community of other women that have been through this on Facebook, but it was, it was really isolating. To close, uh, what do you think could be done better for patients in your situation? And how do you think a plastic surgeon can approach uh, or should approach their reconstruction patients? I think just with a lot of empathy and understanding that this is not a typical cosmetic surgery procedure where, you know, you go in for a BBL, you, you know what you're getting, you, you want to do this. You're excited about the process because you know, you're going to look better afterwards. I mean, I don't think I look better afterwards. I think I look as my plastic surgeon did an excellent job aesthetically, but I have scars everywhere. It's not something that I feel beautiful from. I feel honestly, <laughs> I call them my Frankenstein boobs, but it's okay. Cause they, they keep me alive. But you know, I just, I think plastic surgeons should really come to their reconstruction patients with a sense of, you know, I know this is not what you want, but let's talk you through the process. Just, and I'm not saying handholding us through it, but understanding that it's a very different procedure and just talking differently to them and coming from a sense of empathy because empathy is really important when someone's going through this because chances are they're not excited about it. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story again, Carrie. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, if uh, if any of our listeners would like to uh, read more of our content, uh, just go to plasticsurgerypractice.com.